Wait a minute. You like wrestling. Of course I like wrestling. That's why I hate it. Outlaws. Wrestling is better than the things you like. Outlaws. You'll take those rattlesnake fangs and you'll stick them right in my ass. What? episode 40 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. Adam, how goes it? Are yeah, you well? going good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. Uh, I am interested to hear your views on, on what we've watched in the last couple of weeks. Last time we were on Survivor Series 2016, we dropped back 14 years, is my math right? Yeah, to yeah. 2002, and the, the Oracle decreed that we should watch Unforgiven 2002, um, which which felt a little bit like the start of another new era in professional wrestling. Uh, it seems like you agree. Yeah, um, yeah. I think this dips probably into a time that I wish I'd seen probably more of, because I think I maybe dipped out of it at some point during this era. Um, right. Whereas I don't know if it was the era or the show. The Survivor Series 16. I don't know the the whole makeup of it with the multi-person tag matches. Just it felt a little bit tough to get into. I found this easier to just drop into. Go straight into. I I know yeah. what you mean. So we're, we're in September 2002. This was coming off the hugely successful SummerSlam 2002 that we've all, that we've watched before, um, and I think this might have been their first their first pay-per-view after the dreaded uh, roster split and draft and all that sort of stuff. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, I'll give you some a bit, of, a bit of background about September 2002, as I like to do. Uh, not too much, but a few interesting little tidbits. Kelly Clarkson was crowned the winner of the first ever American Idol. Okay. Yeah, soon, it feels like Kelly Clarkson's been about for a while, but that's probably because it was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, Pete Sampras won the men's US Open, beating Andre Agassi in the final. Classic. Cu- couple of names for the past. Uh, and Serena Williams won the ladies' final, beating her sister. Okay. Venus. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller and Freddie Prince Jr. tied the knot in September 2002. Nice. I'm, I'm, Former... a, I'm a fan of both of their works. Fan, a former WWE writer, of course, and uh, future World Wrestling Federation chairman. Yeah. No. Um, Gwen Stefani and Gavin Rosedale also tied the knot. So, okay. A lot of love in September 2002. Uh, Yuki number one. Right, 2002. Uh, Okay. Okay. Eh. 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 It's a colour. It's a colour. Uh, uh, blue? No, well, that's a good guess, but no, it was pink. Oh. With just like a pill. Oh, and, okay. Uh, in America? A rapper? Eh. Uh, 
uh, DMX. Nice. No, but I like it. Uh, it was Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland with their song Dilemma. Okay. Um, and I've got a new a new thing that I want to start. That's the the UK and US box office number one movies for for the month as well. Any guesses for either? Nah, nah, I got nothing. Okay, and and the UK it was Signs, Mel Gibson Signs. Okay. No, I'm saying Mel Gibson. It's Evan Shyamalan. Mel Gibson's in it, isn't he? Yeah, I I don't know why in my mind that would have been longer ago, but okay. And uh, in the US, it's Barber Shop. Barber Shop. Okay. Nice, nice cube thing, I think. Okay, I've never seen that one. Oh, there you go. There's your viewing for the weekend. Yeah, sorted. Sorted. Signs in Barbershop. Perfect doubleheader. So that's us. That's September 2002. Um, let's let's jump into this Unforgiven pay-per-view, shall we? Let's I think there's a lot to discuss. Um, things kick off with what I felt was quite a cool video package for... We've, of course, got two titles on the line here. Uh, Triple H's Big, big Gold. World Heavyweight title and Brock Lesnar's newly won WWE. Is it WWE Heavyweight and the other one's the Mm. World title? I I, I can't actually remember what they were referring to them as. No, I can't remember either. Um, And we get the split uh, commentary teams of GR and King for Raw and Taz and Michael Cole for SmackDown, I want to say. Yeah, Yeah, that's Um, right. I started to find Jerry Lawler quite unbearable during this pay-per-view at times. I was actually finding I quite like Taz and Cole together, which is yeah. uh, not a good reflection on JR and King, unfortunately. Nah, I think, you know, once you've heard King do his thing, especially through Attitude and a wee bit beyond, once you've heard it the first few times, you've kind of heard it. Mm. It's, it's done. Yeah. Getting, getting old. So... We kick off with an eight-man tag team title match. I was going to say an eight-man tag match. Uh, we got our boys, the Un-Americans. Not that we are un-American, but we've there's, got Tess there. We've got Christian, Lance yeah, Storm. There's some top talent in that team. Yep. And William Regal, of course. Yep. Um, and they are taking on a strangely put-together team of Booker T, Goldust, Bubbery Dudley and Kane. Yeah. Um, this being the point where Vince decided to split the Dudleys up, put one of them on smack. This was this was a Deacon Batista and Reverend Devon era, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. So he split them up and then continued to have them in tag matches with other people. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. So I, I wrote down Booker T, Goldust, and the Dudley Boys, and then just Bubberay came out a bit confused. Kane's that that sort of miscellaneous thing that you just throw into any yes. sort of yeah, position, yeah. isn't it? They, they clearly just want to have him on the card. It's a really weird team. Booker T's pretty over here. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. Uh, he's very very popular. Um, yeah, a, a, a bit of a mishmash of a team. It just kind of felt like I I didn't feel like it was massively going to advance story. Um, it was just just there. Just a crowd heater, wasn't it, for the start? Yeah. Get yeah. the Americans some some heat. Um, my man Test was looking vicious in this match. He was well up for it. 
He was, yeah. I, I noticed uh, Jr. I wonder if if something had been said about the the previous announcing because he's he's trying to put them over as athletes despite his his clear dislike of the team and their beliefs. He's he's doing his best to talk up their credentials uh, as athletes. Is this is this the match where he mentions Intercontinental title about a hundred times? Yes. Talk about Storm, Christian, Test. Because yeah. they certainly that team have all held the Intercontinental title, I think. Yeah, he, he does talk about it a few times. Yes, I also find this funny that, you know, they've they've split up Devon and Bubba Ray, but we're still getting all the sort of Bub, all the Dudley stuff. But it's just that Booker yeah. T's now playing the Devon role and he's to get tables and doing the WhatsApp stuff and all that. I mean, um, when you I'll, know it's getting that kind of reaction from the crowd, because it still is, it's still getting a good reaction here. And if you want to keep doing it, just keep them together. Uh, it's not uh, like they ever made much of a singles push for, for either of them. So. And it's kind of, it seems a bit like, well, we've no competition anymore, so let's just try yeah. weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose I, I, I get trying things, because, you know, some of it might work, but yeah, this, I don't know. I, I never, I know that, was it in TNA, I think, Bubba, Bubba Ray Dudley had quite a, a singles run. Um, the Bully Ray yeah. character. Uh-huh. But I don't ever remember him in, in WWE or, you know, ECW before that ever being a, a singles guy at all. Nah, I think he wanted to take the Bully Ray character to WWE and they said they would never put a character called Bully on TV. <laughs> okay. So, there you go. <laughs> um, not a huge amount to say about this. I think... It gets to a point where it all breaks down and they do the, the classic spot of everybody getting to do their finisher for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get um, Gold Dust setting up poor Christian in the corner and, and hitting Shattered Dreams. And I've got the, the, the ref, who is clearly American, hates Canadians <laughs> and just let that happen, <laughs> uh, which I was by but yeah we've got Bubba hits the, the Bubba bomb on Christian and then Bubba gets taken like that. out straight quite away like the Bubba move. bomb yeah Aye. yeah so there's a there's a hell of a lot going on and you're always sort of it, it plays out the way that Kane and Test are kind of the powerhouses in the match um always forget the, the, the actual size gold dust is as well he's he's mm. He's not dwarfed by any of these guys, but he's just not really positioned in the same way. Yeah. Um, and also, there's one thing I just noticed, like how how much Regal's style stands out compared to everyone else. Like when he's going ultra aggressive, trying to take people down on the mat and things like. I just I like the fact he just looks different. His mm-hmm. his style just looks totally different from everyone else. It looks a little awkward com- compared mm-hmm. to sort of usual, almost co- choreographed style, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's at one point Test hits a class-looking pump handle slam on Kane. It, it looked like he was mm-hmm. going to struggle to get him up, and then it, it, it put him over huge as a sort of powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's around about the time where we just get finisher, finisher, finisher. Yeah. Um, poor, like you say, Christian gets hit with the shattered dreams. Test hits a big boot on the gold dust and uh, Kane sort of reappears from nowhere, hits Lance Storm a choke slam just as, as quickly as it started. It's over. Yeah. I thought I've it was got... fun. 
It, it, it was, I mean, it was fine. You know, it, it got the, the crowd going a bit, I think, especially some of those Dudley's moves that you talked about. Um, and you've got, you know, you're, you're in America, so the Un-Americans, they're going to bring that bit of sort of natural, easy heel heat. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, gets the crowd going. If this kind of match is going to be on a card, I think it made sense to have it where it was. Um I've got. I've clearly been feeling a wee bit funny when I've been doing my notes. I've mm. got the heroes celebrate with an upside down version of the un-American's flag. <laughs> um, yeah, probably finding myself quite hilarious as I'm writing that. <laughs> Class. Um, we got the back, and I don't know how much you want to talk about the whole HLA stuff throughout this podcast. Um, we can judge it as we go, but we've got Stephanie McMahon backstage with Billy and Chuck, who have just been involved in a commitment ceremony, yeah. um, which was royally ruined by Bischoff in Three Minute Warning. Yeah. Um, sounds like there's some sort of bet on that if Three Minute Warning beat Billy and Chuck, then Stephanie must engage in what Bischoff calls HLA if... Billy and Chuck win, then what's the what's the stipulation? Oh, I've got this. Special has down. to kiss her ass. Yeah, that's it. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I, like I, I couldn't like because I think it feels so like it just wouldn't happen now. You just wouldn't you wouldn't have that. And uh, I I found it a little bit like uncomfortable watching it, and listening through mm-hmm. it, and thinking this just doesn't quite seem. Right? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it didn't sit that that well. Now it didn't look good, like uh, on on the company's behalf. I don't think mm-hmm. having having that kind of thing now. But it was a different era, and the crowd were enthusiastic for uh, certain types of things that maybe they, they wouldn't be so, so vocally enthusiastic for now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. Um... We go to the ring. We've got Jericho taking on Ric Flair. It's a rematch from SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, for the Intercontinental Title, I, I think we quite. I think this is quite. Well, this has got its own little sort of interesting sort of ripple to it. But I, I think we quite liked Jericho Flair at SummerSlam. I yep. think we felt it was a lot kick, a lot of kick punch sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. the, the way yep. that they both pulled it off, it was uh, done really well. And I felt mm-hmm. the same with this as well. How about you? Yeah, when it started, I remembered the fact we'd watched it on that other show, and I thought, I kind of thought, Law of Averages, that was quite good. I'm not sure that that can happen again, (laughs) (laughs) but pleasant surprise, I think. I enjoyed the match. I think, you know, with where Flair is in his career here, it probably makes a lot of sense if you're going to have him on a card, have him up against somebody like Jericho, who can do fair bit of the heavy lifting and mm-hmm. uh you know bounce around the ring a fair bit keep keep the eyeballs on the ring because you know the the days of flair being able to do that were were pretty far gone by this point yeah. i think you've got a kind of a natural storyline of the the guy who's a little bit past his peak but was the guy that so many looked up to in the early days and things like that against the you know the young lion type who's uh working his way again up the card um yeah i i, I enjoyed this uh again there's not i don't have a whole lot of you know moves and things like that mm-hmm. uh in in my notes 
but I thought just in terms of match and and story storytelling throughout it as well was was pretty good. Yeah, me too. I like this version of Jericho, mm-hmm. just the big the big sort of goat beard ponytail laying it on thick as a sort of cocky cocky little shit basically, mm-hmm. um, yeah. completely disrespecting Flair, uh, and this match I felt similar to some of these Shamrock Rock matches where quite a decent match and then it's all about the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the finish to this. Yeah, it's just different. Too. Yeah, you know when you're watching wrestling all the time, it's, it's very rare to see something that you've not seen before or, or very rare anyway. Yeah. Um, so so we get Flair as as he as he would working on Jericho's knee a little bit, uh, building up to figure uh, figure four, and Jericho starts to to sort of beg him off and say like I'm really hurt, really hurt, stop. Um, and Flair's kind of reluctant. He's he's almost like he's going going to hit him, and then backs off. Yeah. Eventually, um, he backs off, and he's back. I think he's backed up into the corner by the ref. Yeah, uh, and Jericho jumps up, clearly showing to the crowd that there's absolutely nothing wrong with him. Um, grabs a hold of Flair, slaps on the walls, and he's he's got no other choice but to tap out. He's smack bang in the middle of the ring. Yeah, and he runs off, tapping his head and. And laughing about himself, mm-hmm. it, it shortened the match, but I think, I think it was absolutely fine. I thought, I thought yeah. it was really good. Yeah, I liked it. And you know, you've got the the sort. I think it's mentioned by Jr. a few times of of Flair with his reputation of you know dirtiest player in the game. Will will do whatever it takes to win and things like that. And then Jericho's effectively turning the tables on him. He's, mm-hmm. he's using a cheap trick to to win the match. Uh, I thought the referee. Sold it pretty well. Was it Charles Robinson? Was it Little Nature that was? Ref? I think it was. Yeah. Um, I thought he sold it well because he he actually just looks quite disgusted and he doesn't he doesn't want to crown the the Jericho the winner. He's he's angry about this, but you know he's he's not actually got any choice. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I I thought it was you know good. I, I I'm sure I've seen this show before, but it wasn't fresh in my mind, and I didn't remember this as as what the finish was going to be right, yeah. um, and you know I think we've talked about it a few times over shows we've talked about it. every time you see something that's not been done a lot that's that's pretty rare it it, it jumps out at you it's different it, it feels 20 years old but it feels fresh because you've not Aye. seen it um, so yeah yeah really really enjoyed the finish yeah totally agree um, so we're really pushing this three minute warning um, <laughs> Billy and Chuck Matt so we're backstage with Bischoff He's with Three Minute Warning, and he brings in Rico, who will be supporting Three Minute Warning. Not sure how you know they, they just be, they don't seem to be getting much choice in the matter, but here here he is anyway. Um, a lot of innuendos. I mean, we're we're laying the innuendos on thick here. Um, probably the highlight being that he says he knows Billy and Chuck inside and out. Yep. I say yeah. highlight, low light. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Rico was aligned with Billy and Chuck, wasn't he? He's actually, I think it comes across or they position it as the, the whole commitment ceremony thing was, was kind of his it was, idea. It was he, a ruse, wanted, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and he'd been aligned with them as basically their manager for quite some time before that. Um, and now he's very much aligned with Bischoff and trying to be in uh, in Bischoff's good books and give all the insider info that he's got 
uh, about Billy and Chuck to, to three minute warning. Uh, I, but I believe it, he was their stylist. Yeah, that's true. Manager. <laughs> it feels quite funny because, you know, that you've sort of touched on it. You've got these two big title matches coming up in this match, but it feels like so much of the program is built around this storyline between, you know, and there's there's very good performers in these tag teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there, but it just feels like such an underneath story to be getting all this sort of build through the show. It's, it's weird. And it got a lot of uh, it seemed to get a lot of TV time building mm-hmm. up to it as well. It's all yeah. it's all Bischoff and Stephanie, I suppose. But... Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we we go into our next match. We've got we're, we've got Mikey Cole and Taz is what I've got written on my notes <laughs> on commentary. Um, <laughs> just for those that were that are wondering, no frosted tips on Michael Cole <laughs> at this point. Um, and we get a, a very good, very decent wrestling match. We get Eddie Guerrero. Um, who's clearly in his bulking up phase, I would say, noticeably yeah. bigger yeah. Uh, at this point versus Edge. Um, yeah. And I, I want to say this is at the point where Eddie, Edge, Benoit, Angle, Mysterio were all basically competing in world-class wrestling matches like every week on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, SmackDown kind of became known as the wrestling show, while mm. Raw became known as like the storyline show. Storyline stuff, um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's uh, there's so much talent in like on on one show, and you know, able to just mix and match who's facing who for for each period of time and things like that. I was really excited when I saw this on the card because they're they're guys that I've seen a lot of matches. For each of them, and I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of really good matches for each of them, but there weren't all that many springing out as as these two opposing each other. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking this this uh, should feel again a little bit new, a little bit different. Um, yeah, it's it was probably one that jumped out at me most when when we were looking at the card. And did it did it pull through? Did it come through? Do you think? I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was must see. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was a decent match. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe it ties in with uh, not having seen them an awful lot together. Maybe they didn't have, like, the amazing chemistry that you do see with, with some of these performers. But I, I thought it was a, a pretty good match. I see. I think that was fair. Um, I'm not sure how long it went, but it did feel like it maybe went a little bit long. Um a lot of Eddie on top, a lot of chicken shit heel behaviour, mm-hmm. a lot of trying to slow Edge down. Um, yeah. But yeah, but was... probably no sweet, real massive highlights apart from the finish that I really, I really like the finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 12 minutes, which is, is pretty long. Yeah. Um, like in the context of this show, it's pretty long. Um, so yeah. Yeah, the, again, yeah, I enjoyed the, the finish as well. Um, I've got a few, a few things in my notes um, about some, some of the moves that go on. I, I'm not. We seem to be in like prime chair shot to the head uh, uh, era just now. Because oh, in the, yes. from SmackDown, they show a bit of video um, of of a chair shot from Eddie to Edge, and then uh, Edge is obviously big babyface at this point. Mm, um, yeah. And do, do you think they pipe in the screaming when he comes in? There's maybe, always screaming. Maybe because it does seem like 
surely some of these shows that wouldn't happen depend on where you are and you know things like that yeah possibly wouldn't fit past them at all um and you've got eddie basically right from the off he, he shoves the ref in front of edge and runs out the ring he's he's just mm-hmm. you know playing that that sort of sneaky heel character and it's not even big stuff a lot of the time it's just little little things that i always thought he was really good at um mm-hmm. doing those you know, it was, I think, hard to keep him heel at times because the crowd liked him so much. But even yeah. as a babyface, he was still doing quite a lot of the same sneaky stuff. Yeah. Um, anything you don't maybe see an awful lot of nowadays. Um, got a second rope tornado DDT by Eddie on Edge. Yeah, and they're, they're talking up a storyline about Edge having had a concussion. Um, I was laughing at the, that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's almost like a, um, a positive... Oh, he suffered a concussion <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah. And now, you know, 20 years down the line, we're talking about the uh, Miami Dolphins quarterback. Yeah, Tua. And yeah. Just, being, just being absolutely horrified at the, the thought of him uh-huh. being out there on a Thursday after a Sunday. Yeah, because they're really talking about the fact it's three days ago. Three days ago he had this concussion. But, you know, doctors have told him not to go, but he's going to go now. I couldn't tell you what the they obviously didn't know as much back then, but nowadays it obviously you just wouldn't be allowed. You wouldn't be in the ring. Yeah, and I, I don't even think they would do that in kayfabe. Obviously, it's kayfabe the way that they're talking, but yeah, yeah, I don't even think they would do that in kayfabe. No, no, I think it's too close to the bone uh, with some things that have happened. Um, yeah, uh, we've got. Uh, suplex by Eddie for a two, and then arm bar. There, there are a few sort of rest hold type mm-hmm. moves uh, in here and um, which is okay in terms of you know pacing and things like that um we've got edge charging the corner eddie just getting out of the way um small package attempt then a neck breaker by edge but every time he's performing these moves he's selling his own neck and the head and things like that which is just good psychology you know it's mm-hmm. exactly what you should be doing in that situation um uh, right hands and an atomic drop by Edge, and then I never know what to call this move. Basically, where they they seem to jump and grab the person by the head and slam them face first into the mat, um, like an X Factor type thing. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, there's this that move happens at least a couple of times on this show by different hmm. performers, and every time I've written in my notes, I don't, don't really know what you would call that. Just go for a Vince and call it like a modified anything. <laughs> modified. <laughs> Reverse suplex. <laughs> uh, we've got Eddie going for a Hurricane Rana uh, from the top, Edge catching him and hitting a nice sit-down powerbomb nice. for the two. Um, we've got Eddie up on Edge's shoulders. I think the, co- the announcer says looking for a, a victory roll or, or that type of move, but Edge basically just throws him off and on the turnbuckle. Um, Edge going for a spear, Eddie dodging it, Edge stopping himself from hitting the corner. Edge hitting the it's execution, isn't it? Edge-ecution. DDT, yeah. yeah. But uh, Eddie too close to the ropes gets his foot on to, to make the break. Yeah. Um, Edge going for a missile drop kick from the top. Eddie getting out of the way. Edge hitting the mat pretty hard. Yeah, I always wonder uh, how wrestlers feel about it. Samoa Joe used to do that. I know a lot in TNA where people would just like launch themselves out. Uh, I mean, he would just he would just literally like walk out of the way. <laughs> I always wonder how wrestlers feel about that. It seems uh, a bit of a cop out. It it does, and then but then every time I've seen it done, I've thought, well, that is what you would just do, you know. <laughs> it's almost too simple. Yeah, yeah. 
it probably doesn't make the other guy look great or whoever yeah. doesn't do it the next time look great either. Um, so yeah, we, we must be heading towards the finish here. Um, so I've got Eddie with a sunset flip from the turnbuckle, powerbombing. That can't be right. Powerbombing Eddie onto the map, but it must have been Edge onto the map. Um, Eddie grabbing the tights just to make sure as the ref counts three. Uh, Oh, I missed the exposed turnbuckle bet, didn't I? Yeah, so he used that to stun him and then... Yeah, so I think Eddie had a couple of attempts at getting that turnbuckle pad off and and once it kind of comes back to bite him, but in the end he uh, he hits, hits Edge when they're both stood up on the well, Eddie stood up on the edge. Stood up on the turnbuckle edge. Just Eddie Edge just grabs Edge's head and smacks him down into the the exposed turnbuckle. That's right. That's a good yeah. finish. Yeah. Um, aye, and a big big win, I would say for Eddie, because I want to say Edge is probably king of the ring at that point. Yeah, I think so. It, it certainly felt like the the build to Edge eventually being in like world title picture has, has started. And mm-hmm. uh, Eddie, uh, going into this match, I, I kind of assumed Edge would win it. Um, I, I I didn't mind either way, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it probably was considered a little bit of a shock, I would have thought. Uh, but right. they're obviously kind of protecting Edge by having the concussion story and things like that. And yeah, the fact that the head was so prominent in the... The, the finish. Um, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I'm uh, interested to hear what you think of this next segment. So Triple H goes into the, I always think it's funny, going into the raw locker room um, and he tells RVD, you know, he, he has a big, uh, big go at him saying you've got no passion, you've got nothing about you, you know, like you're getting ready for a title match and you're just sat there. Um and he points at Flair and he says, this guy, he, at first he's sort of bumming him up and then he's, he's making it out like he used to have it. He used to do this, he used to do that. Um, and and I've got here is this planting seeds for evolution. Now, obviously what it's meant to do is yeah. plant seeds that, that Flair's pissed off about this, but <laughs> ultimately what it seems to end up doing is lighting a fire under him. Um, yeah. How do you think RVD comes off in this? Not, not <laughs> like he. No. I, I I get the feeling. Yeah, we remember him. I think from the ECW days, and they've pushed almost this laid back surfer dude type, you know, mm-hmm. gimmick on him. And I think it's it's not really him. And I just think he he really struggles to get the promos out and all that. Like everything he was saying didn't change or didn't make me think different from what Triple H was saying. Uh, no. I was looking at it thinking, oh, is, is he right then? Is this heel that's being a dick? Is he just right? Um, and then also, he kind of buries Flair a little bit at the end as well because he's like, he basically says something like, well, yeah, he is washed up. He is a loser, but I'd rather associate with him than you. And I'm thinking, oh, is that the way that was supposed to come off? That's a backhanded compliment if ever you heard one. Yeah. That's, for, that's right. That's funny. Uh, the show, the show, uh, a little bit in the build-up video as well, where RVD's like, Triple H, you've shown the world that you're really good at spitting water, and then he's like pretending to do the whole spitting water thing and that, it just comes across a bit like, silly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe coming from like The Rock or something like that, maybe being funny. Yeah, he he maybe could have made it work. Um, 
just with that sort of extra levels of charisma. Um, yeah, it, it didn't. I would have preferred an RVD that wasn't. Remember when he was his, his big sort of shtick was I'm too big for this company when he was in uh -huh. ECW. Um, yeah. Uh, and and that worked, and it it can't really work once he makes the move to to WWE. Um, if, even if you'd seen something in the background about, yeah, you know, I'm a laid back guy, but I am working my ass off for this. This is the biggest match of my life, or something. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, he doesn't even need to talk, really. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. do my talking in the ring. The mm -hmm. Benoit type thing. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, we go to our HLA versus Kiss My Ass tag team match. Billy and Chuck versus Three Minute Warning. Um, and as well, Three Minute Warning are Rosie and Jamal. Rosie, I want to say, is Roman Reigns' brother. Jamal, a cousin. Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Um, so, uh, big, burly, Samoan. Yes beasts who are presented in exactly that way mm -hmm. as total ass kickers they seem to have adopted this uh, role as bischoff's he uh, henchman um bischoff would say you've got three basically over the course of the shows he'd be saying stuff like you've got three minutes to show me something and then uh, when the three minutes was up he would send them out and they'd wreck the ring and send everyone packing yeah and they were very convincing yeah, I I I like them. Um, like them, you know they they have good tag combos and all that, but they they just both look like badasses, and they can move as well, which is I re really really mobile. Uh huh. Which is almost quite like unsettling because you know the size of them, they shouldn't be able to move like that. Um, Aye. Yeah, and super kicks and you know. Yeah. Like uh, defensive linemen in the NFL, and they're mm -hmm. hitting super kicks and, and all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Rosie hits yeah. a second rope moon, so or he goes for a, a second rope moon. So at one point he misses, mm -hmm. but it's yeah. still like really impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cole says as they're coming out, they're from the hood, so to speak. Yeah. What's that? That's, that's questionable. Why do they keep describing them as equal opportunity ass kickers? That has been said about 12 times is it just because they've beaten up women or is it because of the billy and chuck like sort of gay um, yeah possibly i wasn't i wasn't sure like i i heard the phrase a few times but yeah i didn't didn't really know where they were going with that um it's, it's a pretty standard tag team match i would say but i, I was really really taken aback and impressed by three minute warning i know you were as well with, with text back and forward about it. Yeah. Um it's it's a real shame that I, I'm not really sure how much longer they're in the company. I, I think I read that Jamal was released in two thousand three. Rose went on to be uh, the Hurricanes fat sidekick. Oh yeah. Superhero in training. Superhero shit. in training, yeah. That's um, right. And then they brought Jamal back as Umaga who was Although I didn't really watch at that time, um, mm -hmm. came across like a total beast, yeah, total badass. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think this match was like all about them. Look, absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they're working tag combinations that it's so quick. Like you mentioned, the moonsault, um, and for a long time, it's basically the two of them working over 
uh, Chuck, Chuck um, yeah. and then Billy eventually gets the the hot tag in, and you know they, they make him look good for for a few moves, clothesline yeah, just... drop kicks. Do you know that the clothesline sell that Rikishi does, where they say turns him inside out? One of them does yeah. that. Looks brilliant. Yeah, um, and then you know he goes for the knocking their heads together, which obviously they're either Samoan or they're from the hood, so it's not going to work. <laughs> um, so yeah, they they just kind of look back at him and then they double headbutt Billy, and that's that's his little little charge of momentum on the go. Um, got Jamal going up to the top turnbuckle, uh, going to leap on Billy, but Chuck's uh, in, throws him off the, the turnbuckle. Um, Chuck with a big kick on Rosie, then Jamal hitting Chuck with a big kick of his own. Uh, famous are by Billy on Jamal, but Rosie grabs the ref, stops him from making the count. Uh, Billy with a big clothesline on Rico. Um, and then Rosie and Jamal back up and hit Billy with, I can't remember which one it was, but one of them hits Billy with a big Samoan drop for the three count and the win. Yeah, it was Rosie. That's a cool move. They basically yeah. throw him up in the air and catch him and Samoan drop. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So three minute warning win and Bischoff is doing his whole shit eating grin shtick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's more to come from from Mr. Bischoff. That is the that is what happens prior to the main event. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't so know why we'll they didn't that. just get this all over and done with here and now. <laughs> yeah, it's peppered right through this pay per view. Yeah. So we go to our first of two championship matches. Um, wonder if Triple H would felt at this point about being almost in the middle of the card. Doesn't seem like something that's necessarily very well with them. Yeah. So they've they've gone through a storyline here where you touched on the the brand extension. Mm-hmm. Each show has a separate roster, and as a result, um, SmackDown had the world champion. So Raw needed a champion, and I assume this was like a, a heat getting exercise. But instead of a tournament or anything like that. Uh, Bischoff just crowns Triple H Raw's champion, which I think it's the old WCW belt, isn't it? Yeah, that they, that they yeah. use for that. So yeah, um, I suppose I get it. It feels like potentially a missed opportunity, but if you want Triple H to have all the heat um, and just be this sort of entitled guy, um, well, they've they've just literally handed him the title. So yeah. I suppose that that ticks that box. I feel like. Obviously, this is Triple H going into his evolution phase, um, but he's definitely going for a different sort of. He's certainly going for a different look. He's got the kind of bigger sideburns and that. He's almost coming across like an like an old school wrestler. Yeah, a little yeah. Bit. I think like Harley Race type with the facial uh-huh. hair and things like that. Yeah, yeah. He's obviously trying to do something different. This is when they start wearing the suits and the big collars and the shirts and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I really like Triple H. I don't love RVD. Um, I wasn't really looking forward to this, but I really, really enjoyed it. I thought, oh, cool. I thought they had, I thought they had really good chemistry. They seem to work really well together. It's probably the best match I've seen RVD in. Yeah, it, it kind of made me wonder. I was impressed as well, and I kind of didn't know what to expect because in my mind, 
backstage somewhere, Triple H is saying, I, I don't want to go in with this guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's dangerous. He's all kicks and things like that. You know, I, I don't want to do that. And I think he, he did end up sustaining a bit of an injury in one match between the two, I think. Yeah, um, he hit his frog splash. He, he crushed his windpipe. Oh, was it? So in that's, elimination yeah. chamber. Right, okay. So, yeah, and, and it, there's such different styles. Um, but then it made me wonder if, because I enjoyed this as well, if maybe what RVD needed was someone who is is that bit more old school in terms of the way they work in the ring and be a total like contrast. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, once we get talking about the match, R- RVD is doing quite a bit of old school style wrestling in yeah. it. Um as you know, I think part of the story because the the theory is well, Triple H will beat you like that. Um, but yeah, I, I I was quite impressed by what RVD can do beyond what we so often see him do. Uh, I thought it's I thought it was frustrating to watch. Yeah, because I, I've definitely been put off by RVD matches because it's all all the same stuff. Uh huh. And he was almost wrestling like Bret Hart in this match. Mm-hmm. He's using a lot of side headlock side headlock takedowns to yeah. control Triple H and obviously you know like it's, it's all they're all working together but I, I thought it was really really impressive I loved mm-hmm. that um, and he was he was getting under Triple H's skin he's doing the whole water bottle stuff that worked in the ring during the match because Triple H sells it so well he, he sells getting frustrated and yeah. and he sort of flies into everything and, and gets countered uh-huh. um, so I really, yeah, the, really, really good storyline storytelling. Yeah, the, the the styles effectively flip because you're going into this being told Triple H is the, you know, cerebral cerebral assassin, and you know he'll be methodical, he'll take his time and all that. He'll out wrestle RVD, but RVD will be careless and he'll make mistakes, he'll get frustrated, all that kind of thing. So I thought they did well at switching that round. Because as soon as RVD is doing these wrestling moves, you've got Triple H out of the ring shouting, kicking stuff, and then rushing in to try and mm-hmm. you know get the advantage. And it's it's a complete flip of of what you've been told to expect for this match, yeah. uh, which I I liked. I thought it. I thought Triple H sold that really well. Um, he he played up to that, um, which. You know, you you wouldn't normally see him have to do it. It's it's a totally different scenario from his from his normal matches. Uh, this one, yeah, yeah. This this was good. This was good fun. And then, sort of playing into that, it does turn around when RVD goes back to the, the high flying stuff. He Triple H is outside and, and he goes for a sort of somersault over the top rope, and Triple H does the same as what we were just talking about earlier. Just moves out of the way. Yeah, and that was a hell of a landing for yeah. RVD. I thought, hey, see, when he was trying to get back in the ring, I'm sure oh, he was I, counted out. I mean, yeah. come on, ref. He was still, he was just standing up, but like <laughs> I don't know his, if he, half his body in. I don't know if he lost track of where the ref was with the count or something like that, because I was looking at, well, there's, he, he can't possibly make it. And he mm-hmm. like had one arm in or something, and that seemed to be enough to break the count. I think JR even says the referee being a little lenient. Yes. Yeah. Um, what, what, what have we got from there? So Triple H pretty much takes over or, or, or starts going to the well sort of thing with a lot of his um, breaking him down moves. But I, I felt like RVD was doing 
so, so I've got here, we're, we're getting a lot of RVD's now signature moves during back mm-hmm. and forth, but it feels like they're at appropriate times and not just shoehorned in because they're interesting or fun spots. Or yeah, because I, I think by this point in the match, Triple H is basically dominating and RVD's having these moments that are just like counters and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it, it looks like your traditional RVD move, but then it's it's kind of being squashed pretty quickly by Triple H just taking control again. Um, yeah, yeah that, that that worked, I thought, and the pacing of that worked as well. Um, we get to point Triple H comes off the ropes. RVD uh, for, uh, leapfrog is the word I'm looking for. Leapfrogs him, and he completely wipes out Hebner. How do you learn <laughs> how to take a bump like that? He absolutely destroys him. He was flying at the ring. <laughs> Oh. Um, RVD sees this as his opportunity, hits a five-star frog splash, but of course, we Hebs is lying out in the and lying out outside. He's burst, and who comes out? The dirtiest player in the game. Everybody's getting excited because they think he's going to hit Triple H. He's got a sledgehammer with him. Yep, yep. Uh, to Flair, yeah, he's coming up. Just remember all those demeaning comments by. Uh, Triple H, you're just waiting for him to get his comeuppance here now. <sighs> Doesn't he get it, does he? No. Poor RVD gets rattled with a sledgehammer. Pedigreed. One, two, three. Hebner's back in the ring. One, two, three. Yep. Uh, a thoroughly satisfying match where you don't bury RVD. Uh, I assume he's still in there in the hunt. Mm-hmm. Triple H maintains his title. You've got an interesting thing going on with Triple H and Flair. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, we we sort of messaged back and forth after this had been watched, questioning the timeline and where we were. I think from from where here to evolution. evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when I looked it up, I could see Flair actually acts as this sort of second for Triple H for a little while, uh, just between the two of them, um, and then a little bit down the line, Batista gets brought in. But where where are we month wise here? We're September. September. So I think it's by January, February, the following year that uh, Orton is brought on board as like the final piece. Um, it's actually a really good stable, and I, I know I'd, I wasn't watching all the time there, but you, when you think of the makeup of it, where you've got like the the veteran who's won it all and been there and seen it and all that, you've got Triple H, who I suppose is is the the current top guy. Um, the the guy who's who's won his championships and his trajectory is going towards where Flair got to, and yeah. then these these two. Well, Orton was particularly young. I don't know if Batista was ever all that young, but um, no, young young to the game though. I think. Yeah, yeah, and you know if you're bringing these guys under these guys' wing for a start, it makes sense because you can go a hell of a lot of directions storyline wise. But I imagine even just the being there with them, traveling with them, you know, all, all that kind of thing was probably, much as Orton went off the rails a few times in his, his younger days, it was probably a really good, like, education into the the business and being at the top of the card and things like that for yeah. those guys. Yeah, I've definitely read that from Batista before, saying he pretty much learned everything he knew about the business in the car for Triple H. And the, one of my favorite storylines was the Batista Triple H thing uh, that they eventually get to and Batista was a guy Triple H was clearly even then you know very willing to put over and things like that and made him just totally made him um, 
yeah, so there's a lot of good will come out of, of where they get to. And Orton's obviously had his his own ridiculous career as well. And I think I said to you the SmackDown before this pay-per-view, they had Lesnar v Orton, mm-hmm. um, kind of in a squash uh, scenario. But the, Orton's clearly, you know, they're talking him up very young. Yeah. You know, the crossbody off the top rope and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. they obviously pegged him as well. Yeah. Uh, women's titles on the line next. Trish Stratus and Molly Holly. I assume Molly. Uh, so I didn't. <laughs> so this match I didn't watch with the commentary on. Um, okay. I assume that Molly's not in right to censor. She just so happens to be wearing a white top and black trousers. I take it right to censor aren't a thing at this point. That, they were more 2000s, weren't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if she ever fully reverted back to I, I can't think of her she she aligned with uh oh you mentioned them earlier um hurricane she, yeah she was a superhero type character for the yeah world, she, she? she was for a bit and that that's probably what's next for her i would think right but yeah oh if you didn't have the commentary on here you missed oh, oh was it king yeah oh dear yeah, so it was one of the points where he'd, he'd been, you know, drooling over Trish, and these were the words. Oh I, I don't have to be dead to donate my organ. Yeah. Uh, dear. Yeah. Do you know what the travesty is? I don't know if travesty is maybe a, an exaggeration, but on a, on a pay-per-view that is featuring... HLA so prominently and the whole like yeah woo these two actually have a fairly decent wrestling match like yeah I, I, f- I feel like there's a an actual effort from don't know if it's from them two from whoever put it together whoever booked it blah 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 to try and push them both as wrestlers and mm-hmm. um, they have a fairly decent wrestling match that w- that wouldn't be uh, out of place in wrestling at the moment mm-hmm. so it's I think it's always been known that Molly was a pretty good worker. Um, I think she, you know, you can, a lot of like models or whatever they were, were brought in and then try to make them wrestlers. I think she came in as a wrestler um, and had the background, had the experience. And I think probably in the hope that pair her with some of these people and get some good matches out of them and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, But I think at this point, you know, JR is putting over... Every time King stops, uh, JR's trying to talk about how much Trish has improved in the ring since first coming in um, to, to to the WWE. And I think it does show here, you know, she and she ends up, I'm sure she and Lita like headlined a, a Raw or something like that before yeah. that was ever, you know, commonplace, way before mm-hmm. that was commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think this is maybe just her sort of getting to that level where she's starting to get the respect as a as an actual wrestler. Yeah, that's fairly decent. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't really. I, I don't know if you want to break it down, but I mean, it's a you know, our finish yeah, is a bulldog. Like. Yeah, I've I've got a few bits and pieces. <laughs> We've got um, uh, what was it? Ah, uh, Trish with the Stratisfaction Bulldog for a two. Uh, Trish going for a Hurricane Rana, but Molly catching her legs, tying her up in the turnbuckle and stretching her. Um, Molly with a running handspring move to squash Trish in the corner. Um, squash. And then Trish, yeah, with a, a, a counter 
into a bulldog for the win. Um, and that's uh, so she wins the belt there because I think Molly's champ going in. It's Trish's third title at that point. Oh wow! Yeah. And randomly they have Coach waiting to to ask her, and she cuts like an uber baby face promo for about three seconds because she's absolutely knackered. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, next up, we've got a match which seems to have developed over. Kurt Angle getting hit with stink face and Benoit laughing at him. Yeah. Um, and it builds up from from there over what seems like a few smackdowns. Um, I was listening to Angle's podcast about this match uh, a couple of nights ago and the guy that's presenting it with him, not sure who it was, he, he said it's an interesting thing that you've got a match here and, and neither one of you has cut a single promo against each other. Uh, in right. the build-up, yeah. and Angle's like, "Well, you didn't need one. It's yeah. Angle v Benoit. What more do you need?" Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fair point. It is a fair point. Yes. And I think, yeah, I've I've heard I've heard Angle speak about his matches with Benoit and his teaming with Benoit at times, which which he did at points over the probably just in the build-up to this, I think, um, yeah. Yeah. and talking about the fact that he he felt that uh, Benoit was the only other person that brought anywhere near the level of intensity that Angle did. Mm-hmm. Um, so he never, in terms of storyline and all that kind of thing, I think he would have felt being laughed at by the other for anything. It is enough because they're that competitive. They want to be the best wrestler in the company. There's that intensity and it takes so little to tip it and then, and then basically have them going at each other, uh, which does all make sense. From from storyline point of view, um, I don't know. Like, I can think of I think three matches they've had between the two of them. I'm sure there were a lot more than that, you know, on TVs and things like that as well. Mm. Um, I know that there's some that Angle looks back very very happy with, and some not so much. I was trying to remember if this was one of the ones he, he didn't feel it went quite like perfectly in terms of what they wanted to do. Um, so so he was saying that. Um... Benoit basically just said to him, you know, Angle would say to him, how do you want to to build this match? And Benoit would just say, just whatever you want to do, I'll just I'll just go with it. Um, and Angle was saying, as a fairly, nov- you know, pretty new to the business, yeah. he, he always appreciated that, um, but he was always surprised because he thought the veteran would want to, to, to sort of, put it all out there and, yeah. and, and work out what they were going to do, but it just said Benoit was so good that he could essentially just adapt to whatever they wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I think this reminded me of a match that I think they had on a Mania. Was this WrestleMania? Was it, it would have been WrestleMania 17? They had um, a quite a similar match. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, Where they just do a bit of chain, is it chain wrestling you call it? Like amateur mm-hmm. wrestling to start off with? Yeah. Um, and I texted you about this, and I was like, I, I, so I was about maybe about five minutes into it, and I was like, oh, I was really looking forward to this, but I wonder if I've, I wonder if I've built up in my mind how good their matches were because, to me, I was enjoying it, but to, I, I just felt the crowd were just no into it at all, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder if that point about promos and storyline, meant that they weren't really that into it to start off with. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, and it is difficult because, you know, we, we're we looking back thinking in hindsight about a body of work that we know is there. 
and we know that these two had some of the best matches that we've seen. Um, mm. And we know that, again, in hindsight, that that sort of competitive edge from what Angle says, it was real. Like he, not not within a match, wanting to get the pin or anything like that, but he wanted to be able to outperform Benoit. And he mm. knew that Benoit wanted to be able to outperform him. Um, and sort of knowing that that rivalry in the best possible way, because, you know, you do it right, you both get over, but that that rivalry uh, was a real thing, which is quite... I don't think I ever thought of stuff in that way before. I think mm-hmm. I've thought of jealousy about card position and things like mm-hmm. that, you know, or, or oh, I wish they would put the belt on me, not that guy kind of thing, but actually going into the ring and wanting to outshine the guy that you maybe think is the best, um, just personal pride and things like that, you know. Um, I found that quite interesting when when listening to some of Angle's stuff because he, he goes back to Benoit quite a lot, um, oh, yeah. just because he's he's probably one, well, definitely one of his most famous opponents, and in, in terms of the matches they had between them. But yeah, you you can see the the level of intensity, and I know that when I was watching it, uh, I did pick up on the crowd thing. I, I think I thought it was maybe a bit quiet or a bit disengaged really early on i think mm-hmm. i maybe thought it'd come back in a little bit quicker than than you'd mentioned to me because i looked at your message and i thought did it take that long for them to feel like they were getting into it but they got there oh they definitely got there and again it's heel v heel i suppose as well so there's no mm-hmm. um i was thinking like there's no angle looking at the crowd there's no riling them up sort of stuff that you might normally get but then it's yeah. heel versus heel yeah um we get to a point where Kurt goes flying in the turnbuckles, he goes towards Benoit and misses and goes shoulder first into the pole behind the turnbuckles. Benoit gives him another shot at it um, and we see Benoit start to take over and work on Angle's shoulder, uh, getting him ready for the cross face. Um, it's round about this point where they just they turn it up. It's almost like a switch and they start trading German suplexes and what we'd normally get is Benoit going for the three suplexes. He manages to get two, Angle reverses it, hits two of his own, and they just start trading back and forward. Uh, and it's it sounds... I don't think it sounds as impressive as what it actually is, the way that they're, mm-hmm. they're going back and forth. It's really, really good. Um, yeah. And eventually, Benoit sort of puts a, a, final, a final stop on it and turns Angle upside down, does a sort of backward flip one. Uh, pretty class yeah like i I was watching thinking where do you get or how do you get like the strength and the energy and the like that just throwing each other i know you know there's there's easy ways and and more difficult ways there's guys that make it very easy to to throw them and i'm sure they were both doing that but i'm still watching thinking like the the strength the energy levels the the cardio to to keep going and then as you say, I think turn it up, turn up the intensity mm-hmm. part of the way mm-hmm. through, and then for a good few minutes, almost like it's just flat out. Um, yeah, yeah, impressive stuff. That's cool. Uh, we get that spot where Benoit's on the top rope and Angle runs from one end of the ring to the other and, th- and throws him off, yeah. jumps up on the turnbuckles. That was cool. I wonder, yeah. you know, like I wonder if just one day they just came up with that. Um, because yeah. it's a bit of an angle staple, isn't it? It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, we get angle kicking out of the headbutt. 
um, Benoit slaps on the cross face, but they start then trading ankle lock and cross face, and the way that they transition between the two moves is again it's like sight to behold they're just rolling uh-huh. back and forward all over the place pu- pulling at these submissions it's really well done i was almost picturing like a backstage situation where they're they're, they're putting their move on that like like well, what can we do what makes How can sense I get to what... your ankle from uh... yeah um i did wonder and i think it worked because it's these two I think it might have annoyed me if it had been others, but I did wonder at a point: is this too much? Is there been so we've got like a cross face and an ankle lock, which have been relatively well protected. You know, it's mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. if somebody's getting out of it, it's the oh he's too close to the ropes, the person can just reach out type thing. Um, and I did wonder if the amount of reversals and counters and things like that was it a wee bit too much. But then, as I'm watching it. I put that in my notes, but I didn't think it as I was watching. So I wonder right. if it's maybe more a something I'm, I'm overthinking, and these guys they they are getting away with it as they're doing it. But yeah, it was just something I wondered: is it is it too much? Especially when then that that's essentially what leads to the finish, where Angle then puts on the cross face uh, on Benoit. Does uh, Benoit's trying to get to the ropes? Angle pushes back with his foot on the rope, which I've never seen anybody do before. And no. it, it, clearly, you're not allowed to do that because Kyoda was like right in his face. One, two. Yeah, um, I was thinking. I, it, my first thought was, well, why would he not be allowed to do that? But then I thought, well, you can't have as the person executing it, you can't have your foot on the ropes anyway. So right. he, he would because like leverage things yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, it did it did make sense for the ref to to stop that. Um, Benoit reverses it into a roll-up and he uses the same rope that Angle's just tried to cheat to win with to get the three count. And Benoit wins and he's chuckling away at himself on the way back up the ramp, which is quite good. Um, Interesting to hear Angle say, you know, like on his podcast, he was talking about Benoit and saying a lot of people get quite annoyed when Chris Benoit gets brought up. Um, But if you erase... Chris Benoit, you essentially erase Kurt Angle because of the number of matches and how close the length they are. And you can understand that, I suppose, from, from his point of view. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I think we've we've talked about it a couple of times is the sort of separating what what he did to the from the the work, yeah. the in ring work. Um yeah. which I think I've I've I am able to do. I always wonder when I'm about to watch one of his matches, it sort of crosses my mind is, is this going to be easy? Because um, mm. I always thought is, is the... It's chair like, shots and all that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, thing, things that fed into clearly doing a hell of a lot of damage um, that then obviously horrifically had, had a, a huge impact on a few people's lives. But I am still able to, to separate. I can enjoy his matches, which mm. you know, from a selfish point of view is a good thing. yeah. So, we're, we're at our HLA segment. How about you read your notes, and then I'll read my notes, and then we can kind of um, summarise what happens. Okay. So, is this them actually coming out? Yeah. Yes. So, so B- Bischoff comes out with a couple of women. The, yeah. Did you hear what Fink announces them as? No. The lesbians. <laughs> God's sake. Um... Yeah, okay. Uh, Bischoff says tonight LA stands for lesbian action. And the girls are called 
peaches and cream. For um, Christ's sake. And they are apparently the, the, the finest lesbians in LA. Um, Bischoff stops them uh, just as they're about to very much please the crowd by kissing each other. And uh, he says that the, the only the only HLA that will take place tonight will involve Stephanie. Bring Stephanie down to the ring. Uh, Bischoff said he never said it'd be one lesbian. It'll be a three-way and encourages the other girls to start taking off some clothes. Uh, they go to Steph, take off her coat, give her a back rub. Um, Bischoff seems, he's, he's a little bit all over the place. He's like, enjoying this, but then he's like, no, no, no. Um, and then he says that he's changed his mind. He excuses the other girls from the ring, but not Stephanie. Uh, Bischoff says he wants it to be humiliating. He wants an ugly lesbian for Steph. Uh, he says he saw one at his hotel and brought her to the venue. Um, and out comes this slightly larger woman. Um, Steph looks pretty scared at first and then immediately jumps and gets into the, the kissing and quite a bit of groping. Um, and the, the this, well, apparent woman then kicks Bischoff and it turns out it's it's Rikishi. Um, Rikishi squashes Bischoff, stink faces him in the corner and the last bit of my notes is that's more than enough of all that. <laughs> that pretty much sum- summarises it all up, I would say. Uh, just to add to it, I've wrote HLA segment, solely tempted to fast forward this. Jesus Christ, do all these women gyrate like they've got fleas, or is it just the actors <laughs> at WWE hire? <laughs> uh, this is repulsive. These women are forcing themselves on Stephanie while she just stands there. Now Bischoff has got some person in drag, Hildegard in brackets, to come out. This is not sports entertaining. Uh, oh, it's Rikishi, stink face. Imagine switching this on and not knowing what it was. <laughs> It's like a terrifying Mrs. Doubtfire sequel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't think back to what my thoughts were about this whole segment at the time. So I can't, I couldn't remember it. I didn't remember how it was going to play out or anything like that. Uh, but it just plays horribly now. Horribly. It's shocking. It's really bad. And it feels like they put a lot of time and effort into it as well. Mm-hmm. Which makes it worse. If it was just yeah. a throwaway thing that was like three minutes of the entire show, you'd be like, ah, whatever. I see what you did there, three minutes. Oh. Yeah. Did I just hear myself say three minutes? It's okay. We, Nobody's oh. about to charge into your room and, you know, in two minutes, 50 seconds and say that you weren't entertaining enough. Start Simone dropping me. <laughs> Um, so that's us at our title match. We get a, a video package um, to sort of show Lesnar destroying all these legends. Hogan. Um, did he? Did he smear himself in Hogan's blood? Yeah, yeah. He took a chair to him and, and did all that. That was pretty um, weird. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Works his way up to to Undertaker at this horrible bit where he, he he's he's kind of got um, Sarah at the time, Taker's wife against the wall, she's pregnant, he puts his hand on her pregnant belly, it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah. 
Oh, it's horrible. Now, I, I suppose like that at all. I suppose what you can take from it is Undertaker has every right to now lose his cool, lose his shit, and just fucking go for him, which yep. is you know fine. But yeah, there was something really unsettling about that, though. There was, there was. So, so we're painting this picture that he's like this young. I don't know, young. They're still calling him the next big thing, even though he's champion, which I always found odd. Yeah. Um, but he's like this young killer. Uh, he's taking out all the old guard, and Taker's next in line. He's already beaten The Rock. He's, he beat Hulk Hogan. He beat a bunch of other people in Raw, hadn't he? Where he was just mm-hmm. destroying people. Yeah. Um, and, and Taker's next. This is Biker Taker. Um. So he's obviously coming across as this ass kicker rather than a sort of crazy person. <laughs> uh, and I, I like they're in the ring and Lesnar just marches straight over to him and squares right up to him. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he, he definitely gives off the kind of uh, he, he's got the kind of cocky young mm-hmm. um, thing going on with his personality. Yeah. We've got a Brock Fears in the mic sign that I thought was quite funny oh, in, nice. in the crowd at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so although although um, Brock goes over and squares up to him, Taker sort so of starts dealing out a bit of an ass kicking. Yeah, start this match, doesn't he? Start throwing him all over the shop. Yeah, they they position it as Lesnar wants to take Undertaker down to the mat. He he wants to make it a wrestling match, whereas Undertaker basically just want to stand there and knock his head off. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they're, they're, I think, playing up the fact we, we sort of know, I'm, I'm sure they talk about it plenty, the fact that uh, Lesnar has his amateur background and all that kind of thing. He just throws people about. Um, and he he's kind of positioned as, yeah, he's cocky and yeah, he's brash and he's in Undertaker's face. But when it comes to it, he doesn't want to face Undertaker in that way. He, he wants to try and just wrestle him and beat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he does do a good bit of that, a, a good bit of that sort of amateur wrestling with him. Yeah. Um, I've got my notes here that Brock is just unbelievable at selling. There's times yeah. he's getting th- uh, thrown over the ropes or, or clotheslined over the ropes or taking choke slams, whatever. He just he bumps so well for people and mm-hmm. uh, makes it makes it look like a big deal. I think mm-hmm. it's a shame he's not done it. A lot, you know, in, in like his second coming as a WWE star, it's just like you know the suplex machine and the tap people out and stuff like that. Not really got memories of his his second part of his career of him doing an awful lot of this kind of thing. You know, you look at him. There's only so many guys that are believable that he would do that for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's something that it does seem like he was really good, and then it's just not been a thing. I've got that. There's, I, I don't have a huge amount of notes for this match, to be honest. I've, I've just got it's a really good match. A, a lot of back and forth between the yeah. two of them. Uh, a lot of dominance for Undertaker. And then Lesnar goes back to the kind of Matt wrestling, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, we get an eventual ref bump. Um, and, and this match is a little odd. It's like it's quite, quite an enjoyable match. And then somebody just goes like push the button and says let's go weird for this <laughs> um i'm sure there's a a storyline reason why matt hardy um comes out 
when yeah. the refs down, but I, I, I didn't get it, and the commentary no. team didn't tell us why. No, that that baffled me. Like, I've I've, I've got a few notes before we get to that. You, you've got okay. like, um, you've got some classic old school stuff from Undertaker. You've got him walking the rope, um, and and doing his uh, like a old school. Yeah, they just call it old school. <laughs> school. Um, you've got uh, Snake Eyes by Taker. You've got him really going at Lesnar with like body shots and things like that uh, quite a lot of the time. Um, you've got uh, Heyman being taken out with a big boot from Undertaker. Um, and then Lesnar with a, a spear and a suplex to, to Taker. And uh, he, he does hold him in a bear hug for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um that's what he did to Hogan. He was ragdolling Hogan like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, the fight breaking out to the outside quite a lot. Um, we've got Taker going after Heyman. Lesnar hitting Taker with the title uh, in the head. That busts Taker open. Um, That's right. We've got uh, Taker looking like he's he's about to go for the, the choke slam, but Lesnar elbowing out of that. Um We've got Taker sending Lesnar to the, the turnbuckle. That's where the ref gets squashed, that one. Right. Um, and then Taker hitting a choke slam, but the ref being down. That's where Matt Hardy comes out. I've got absolutely no idea why he's here. What does he expect running into this situation? He's going to get his ass kicked. And there's the last ride. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I do kind of, I usually just expect the announcers to sort of clean up that kind of thing for you as to why. Why he's there? Why he would run in? Why there's a beef? I wonder if Lesnar destroyed both Hardys and Lita or something like that, maybe? There's maybe. something in the back of my mind tells me that. The, the thing that annoyed me about this match is it was quite decent, like say, we get the ref bump fine, but then we get another ref bump once the ref's back yeah. up again. Yeah. Um, and that kind of just a bit of like, is too much now. <laughs> um, Taker hits Brock with like the most ridiculous of chair shots. Yeah. Two of them. First yeah. one bends bends yeah, the didn't, didn't like chair. That. <laughs> no. Second one sends him flying out the ring. Um was it all the same ref the whole match? Or did we get a different ref towards the end? Uh, After the bump. I don't have it in my notes saying It's a ref I didn't recognise. Yeah. Which would be unusual for the main event. You know, usually it's your, yeah. Usually you know who they are, but mm-hmm. yeah, I've got like the the ref getting squashed a third time. Uh, Jesus, just while the two are, yeah, it's, I think it's right leading towards the end. It's while the two are brawling and won't stop, and it kind of uh, gets a little bit squashed by that. Because Lesnar tries to go for an F five on Taker, but he, he he counters and gets out of that. Um, Taker had tried to hit Lesnar with the last ride, but he he gets his way out of that as well. Um, I, I think it was round about when the the second ref bump happened that I thought there's 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 going to be no clean winner here. Mm-hmm. This is this is not that type of match. Um, it became clear they were going for a, a program and there were going to be mm-hmm. follow up matches and things like that. And like it's logical given the personal stuff and mm-hmm. um you, nobody really does that sort of stuff to undertaker yeah uh, so yeah uh, i assume it ends up in a disqualification with brock winning 
for the chair it's shots. A, it's a double DQ. Oh, it's a double the ref DQ. just basically waves the match off. Um, yeah, it's it's. I, I had to look up on. It was more for match timings and things like that on uh, one of the sites that gives you the the match info, and it's a double DQ, so no I winner. Um, which leaves it wide open, you know. Obviously, they they want to continue this for a while, and they they just keep they just keep fighting. Uh, and there's refs everywhere, and Taker gets his moment, his redemption moment with a, a choke slam on Lesnar, um, and then Lesnar and Heyman just kind of start making their way up the stage. But Taker comes after them. Taker hits Lesnar with a flurry of knees. And then throws him through the I've written paper oh, unforgiven yeah, sign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always looks funny when you see them flying through it from behind. Really odd. Yeah. yeah. And that was that. That was their pay per view. I assume they get a rematch in for the next. That that be possibly Survivor Series or something maybe. Yeah, there must be yeah. a follow up. You couldn't just end it like that. So yeah. Yeah, it was it was quite a good show. I thought. Aye. I, I agree. Um, I thought uh, some decent matches, you know, we talked about Flair Jericho, which I think we both enjoyed, and the finish stands out. Yep. I thought uh, Edge and Eddie, I, I enjoyed that enough. thought it was a decent match. Uh, and uh, Benoit and Angle, obviously. Um, and the pleasant surprise of the Triple H RVD. I Aye. think uh, I, I went into it thinking, I'm just not sure it'll mesh with the two of them. And I was very pleasantly surprised with what they came up with. Yeah, same. I've got some of the the Meltzer ratings here. Um, Benoit Angle, four and a half stars. Okay. Triple H Van Damme, three and a quarter. Uh, Guerrero Edge, three and three quarters. I'd probably dispute that. But... Yeah, I think it's a bit low on the Triple H RVD, to, mm. be, to be fair. Aye, Laura Cole granted us. She was good to us with this yeah. one, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. I enjoyed that. It was a good show. And with that in mind, oh no! Consult the oracle. It's time. Shall we do it for our next one? Yeah, let's do it. That thing creeps me out. <laughs> Don't say that. No one's just listening. <laughs> She'll give us like 2017 extreme rules or something. Right here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Welcome Outlaws, I see you require me again. Today I've decided that for your next podcast you should watch NXT TakeOver Dallas. I do hope you enjoy. Okay. Let us look that one up. NXT TakeOver Dallas. That sounds like a, uh, an early one, Adam, but I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm uh, I'm looking at the card. Ooh, ooh Finn Balor, Samoa Joe. Yeah. The revival versus American Alpha. I, I'm I'm bang up for that just because <laughs> I really enjoyed American Alpha in that Survivor Series match. Yeah. Austin Aries, Baron Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn, Bailey Asuka. Sounds alright. I think this sounds quite good. I've I've oh. I'm absolutely certain I've never seen this. Yeah, just thinking the same. Corey Graves and Tom Phillips. Oh, we've even got some themes. This must be Triple H booked take uh, NXT. And it's probably a relatively short card as well. So it's, 
all the matches are decent length, which I think is a good sign, but there's not an awful lot of matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Oracle. I think that'll be good. I have no idea who wins any of these matches, and I'm always up for a bit of fun, Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think this will be fun. Awesome. So... Thanks, Oracle. Adam was just joking about you being creepy. What What are we going to do as a sound effect when she gives us something we're not so keen on? Hmm. We don't get to boo the Oracle, do we? Nah, probably best not. She okay. might just keep giving us crap. Okay, fair. We'll come with gifts for her. Um, okay, well, two weeks' time, we'll talk about NXT TakeOver Dallas 2016. Until later, Adam, you... Take it easy. You too. Thank you. Um, hit us up on Instagram at Outlaws Pod. Um, and until then, we shall see you in two weeks. Cheers, Adam. Take it easy, buddy. Cheers. <laughs>